and welcome back to the Everything Must Go podcast. I'm Brandon, and with me as always is Stephen, discussing the recent news surrounding Bill Cosby and the story behind his guilty verdict. Here at the Everything Must Go podcast, we aim to discuss things with in-depth reflection. However, we want to provide you with a warning that the content in this episode may cause some of you to feel uncomfortable or even have reactions you deem unfit for your personal health. We encourage you to come with us on this journey in hopes of personal growth and understanding. But if at any point you feel uneasy about this discussion, please feel free to step away. All right, so we'll just get into the story. Um, if you haven't been keeping up with the news uh, surrounding this, Bill Cosby was just sentenced to a minimum of three years uh, to 10 years in prison. Um, we'll get into the details behind that verdict, but uh, a, a big part of this is more than 50 women have come out um, and said in some way, shape, or form they had been uh, raped by Bill Cosby. Um, and I just want to take a, a quick pause from that because the, the big thing within this Me Too movement and the time is up stuff, um, uh, 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 well, actually, even before this, because now it's becoming more like people are starting to believe women when they come forward. But before the immediate reaction was, oh, these people that are coming forward are just trying to get money or they're five seconds of fame. Um, and even if some of the women within this, you, I feel like you have to take away that if more than 50 women come forward saying the same thing happened to them, there's got to be at least a couple of those that are true. Don't you think? A hundred percent. Like that's, I didn't, before we even like started looking at this more in depth, I didn't realize that it was this high of a number and it was, um, pretty appalling to see that this is just like what we know and. I'm hoping that this is the majority of the people that actually came forward, but for all we know, I mean, the number could be even higher. That's the scary yeah. part of the situation. Absolutely. Um, so even with, uh, you know, all of these women coming forward, the actual case um, that started this whole thing uh, was a criminal case against Cosby and initiated by one accuser in particular. Uh, that accuser's name was Andrea Constand. Andrea Constant was the director of operations for Temple University's women's basketball team. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Temple University is in Philadelphia, which Bill Cosby has strong ties to. So that's kind of how they met, was Bill Cosby spent a lot of time at Temple University, lived just outside of Philly, and in discussions with her, she described uh, the relationship as you know, Bill Cosby, which is the same as for a lot of these women was a mentor to her. You know, she came to him for advice and, and even his persona within the, you know, the public eye was that he, he was this father figure or this grandfather figure and could give good advice. And, and how about, so a lot of these women went to him with this almost, um, naivete thinking that, Oh, there's nothing that could come bad yeah, out of I mean, this. It's you almost don't blame them. This is a, this is like a sitcom figure. This is a comedian. This is that, that lovable guy who makes you laugh. So the, in your head, the, the kind of the class clown esque personality is that kind of like lovable person that you can spend time with and that you, I don't know, I guess it's a little bold to say that you can trust them, but up to that point, there hadn't really been a reason for people to not trust him. Well, yeah. Well, interestingly enough, and we'll talk about this in more depth, but there had already been at this point 20 years 
in which there were other people that this had happened to. I mean, a bunch of this stuff happened in the 80s. So there were women who went through these traumatic experiences because of Bill Cosby and people just shunned them, didn't listen to their story, didn't believe them and wouldn't help them. Um, but so things changed specifically and where this case is based around is a night in 2004, Andrea Constant was considering, considering quitting her job at Temple University and moving home to Toronto, uh, which is, I think where she's from, uh, Cosby, I think, got got word of this and invited her over to kind of help her navigate through this decision. Um, and of course, again, you know, he was a mentor, so she thought it was a very valuable opportunity to, to talk through it with him. Uh, during her time there, one of the conversations that they had was that she's been having a lot of troubles sleeping. Uh, after expressing this to Cosby, he left for a second and came back. Oh, hold on. He, he left for a second and came back with pills advising her to take them because they would put her at ease. Now, Cosby admitted to giving her pills um, right off the bat, but he said that they were Benadryl, um, to which she responded, they felt a lot stronger than something like Benadryl. But he said that he used them for, you know, putting himself at ease. And um, so he you know, to relax himself in, in, in stressful or, you know, anxiety ridden times. And so he gave those to her. And after taking the pills, Constance stated the last moment she remembers being completely conscious was she was lying on, uh, I think her left side of the sofa with her knees bent. And then she was in and out of consciousness after that. Um, now this part's a little graphic, so this is the part, you know, where we gave that, that warning. This is the part where, uh, you know, specific details of what happened come into play. So at different moments when Andrea became semi-conscious, she states that she felt Cosby touching her breasts and vagina and then taking her right hand to his penis. Um, now for those of you wondering if Cosby has denied any or all of the statement, he stated that there actually was sexual contact that night, but he argued that it was consensual. And then she said, none of our relationship was romantic whatsoever. Um, and then he also stated that she was awake the entire time and never told him to stop. And this is something where I want to discuss because this is a very key thing that a lot of people who either have been directly impacted or indirectly impacted by sexual assault you know, will will be passionate about and mention is just because someone doesn't say stop, especially when they're either drunk or, you know, you drug them. Yeah, exactly. Them not saying stop isn't consent. And it's it's a really fucked up situation because you a lot of times you get people like this who come forward and say, well, they never told me to stop. Right. So that that's got to be OK. And they didn't really have the capability to, which is number the number one biggest point here. But even still, like a lot of times in these situations, both people have an understanding of whether or not this stuff is consensual. And just because someone doesn't tell you to stop doesn't automatically mean that they're okay with what's happening. 
with Harvey Weinstein, who was kind of the catalyst to the Me Too movement because there were so many women, just like with Bill Cosby, that came forward about Harvey Weinstein. And this, again, was a guy in power who uh, promised women opportunities or they looked to him you know, as uh, a mentor of sorts, and then he took advantage of that that role and got what he desired out of them. Um, and like you said, the for so long, because things were so unequal, um, you know, we talked. I just said earlier, there was there were people who were raped by Bill Cosby that went unheard for twenty years. And they tried to come forward with it. And, uh, but just because, number one, he was a powerful man. He was, he also had this persona of, Bill Cosby wouldn't have done that. Are you kidding me? No, I don't believe you. There's no way. And so these women were just silenced. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a refreshing uh, direction that we're headed in where now they don't have to be silenced. Obviously, we're still, trying to grow and, and trying to encourage people to speak. Um, but, uh, it's, it's a, such a tough situation, especially like, I don't know, like, how do you, you have this traumatic thing happen to you, especially with someone so big. And how do you get the courage to come forward? You know, it's, it's really freaking tough. Um, one thing I wanted to mention too, was, you know, they, they asked Andrea Constant if, you know, she had ever noticed anything like this happening before. And, and she stated that there actually was one time, or it might have been a couple times, um, where he, when she went over to his house, um, he would put his hand on her legs and her inner thigh. Now, that was it. That's all all he did, not not to diminish it. But, but she did have um, a kind of, uneasy feeling based on those interactions. And the thing I just want to mention about this is, th- so this is another good thing to to point out for, for young women or even, I mean, anybody. Anybody can be affected or, you know, sexually assaulted. So if you have a situation where you don't entirely know somebody and, and they take kind of inappropriate actions, number one, don't be afraid to speak up. Um, I know it's easier said than done, but don't be afraid to be like, Hey, I'm, I'm not okay with that. Um, don't do that. And if they react angrily, like, Oh, how, how dare you? You know, they, they more than likely were probably having these bad intentions. And so their defense mechanism is to flip it around on you. Like you're the one at fault for just telling them how you feel. Um, but trust those instincts because that can get you out of a situation, you know, if maybe if, if, uh, obviously hindsight bias is 2020, but hindsight bias is 2020, but maybe if Constand had trusted her instinct of, Hey, this is kind of weird that he's doing this. Maybe she went to put herself in another situation, uh, or, you know, ever gone to his house ever again, you know, where he could have done this thing. Um, and so trust your instincts on that stuff. And, and another thing too, if, if you are a person who doesn't have malign intentions and you, you cross that line, do what you can to make up for that inappropriate act. Even if it's like giving them their space, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like make the person 
feel comfortable. And so they, I, I think a really bad thing in these types of situation is just a lack of communication because yeah. obviously we know in this instance, in this instance, what the intentions were. Um, but it's not to say that there aren't times where it would just be in everyone's best interest. And I think this, I think this is just, just a good takeaway in general to communicate intentions and in situations so that we don't have, we don't have things that come out years later yeah. or people can leave situations before they get bad. I just feel like if, if people communicated things better, we could eliminate a lot of these things from happening. Now, that is in no way said to desensitize ourselves toward this situation because as you said, the hindsight part of it, well, yeah, maybe she should have just not put herself in that situation again, but I don't think we have any ability to say that in this instant because I mean, who would have known? Like, I mean, literally that this, this story is shocking. Right. Yeah. And again, she saw him as a mentor. So her, her instinct at first was like, Hey, I don't feel comfortable with what he's doing, but maybe I'm being, I'm overthinking it because it's Bill Cosby, you know? And, um, another thing too is, you know, and we talked about this a little bit in the act like a man episode, uh, where there, I guess there is this societal idea that the man is supposed to make the first move. Um, and it's a tricky thing now. So if, if you take, so if you make the first move without asking for consent because you think that that's the romantic thing to do and then they tell you they're uncomfortable with it, it is now your job to make them feel comfortable and, you know, like apologize or do what you can to to be like, hey, I fucked up. I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to – I just misread it. I misinterpreted a moment. Um, or you can just get rid of that risk and ask even if it's something little like can I kiss you or something. You know, that would, that's communication. That's what you're talking about. If we just communicate, then you, you eliminate those risks of possibly, um, proceeding with inappropriate behavior. Um, okay. So back to the story after this happened, Andrea Constant moved back to Toronto, kept this a secret. What happened? She kept it a secret for a year. Um, then when she was back in Toronto, her mother kind of noticed, hey, something's going on. You know, what's what's happening? And that was the first time that Constant told anybody about it. She told her mom, and then her mom encouraged her to file a report. So in 2005, a year later, she re- filed a, a criminal report in Pennsylvania, and the authorities started in, an investigation. But pretty obviously there was an issue now because it was a year later. So there was no forensic evidence, you know, uh, uh, Andrea Constand wasn't going to have any physical evidence of being raped. Uh, there wasn't going to be any forensic evidence in Cosby's home. Um, because by it's been a year and, and so it's all gone. And so uh, this is another tough, thing because it's you gotta speak up like right away basically yeah you don't speak up right away like as tough as it is this is a good reason why you shouldn't wait a decade to speak up on something and and unfortunately this kind of stuff happens a lot but yeah and again right again right there like it's 
easier said than done, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. To, it's not easy. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, like, that's like that's what's tough about it. the The hope is that we learn to hey, if this happens, to you say something right away so that something can happen about it. But it's a traumatic experience. A lot of times, people don't want to deal with it. Like they they want to pretend it didn't happen. And they brush uh, it under the rug, kind of. Yeah, it, people cope with things differently. And mm-hmm. you know, even if you know, the, the, the quote unquote right thing to do would be go to the authorities right away. You know, someone might cope with things of like, I just need to move on with my life. I don't even want to give this the light of day. I don't want people to know this happened to me. I don't want to put it out in the universe. I'll just ignore it. And so many people have gotten away with things because that has happened. Um, but I guess, you know, from an objective point of view, the, the right thing would be to, to, bring it to the authorities so those people can be punished. Um, you know, you, you'll you have forensic evidence against them if it happened to put them away for their wrongdoing. Uh, so because this took so long and they didn't have forensic evidence, the district attorney uh, eventually closed this investigation within actually the first month uh, because of insufficient evidence for prosecution. Um, luckily... And this was a key thing because Andrea Constant's mother was like, you need to see this thing through. So because the criminal uh, case was nixed, Andrea Constand Constand, uh, took him to civil court and um, with a lawsuit. And the next, I guess, quote unquote, notable accuser was Barbara Bowman, who was a aspiring actress in the 80s. Uh, she was one of the people I was referring to that for 20 years was kind of shunned and kept shut as if it didn't happen to her. This Barbara Bowman woman reached out to Constance's lawyer and said, hey, this this happened to me too. I, I you know I want to support this whole situation. And the lawyer told Bowman that she was actually the third person who had privately contacted her. And so now this comes to back to the point of people who want to make the argument, oh, all these people just came out of the woodworks to get their five seconds of fame. You have three women who privately, secretly went to the lawyer saying, this happened to me too. So they, they didn't even go public with it at first. They were, they were just finally found somebody who was supporting somebody standing up against Bill Cosby and it was getting put into motion. Um, so I, I guess it for for Cosby sympathizers, here is another clue that you could say shows that these women aren't just making shit up. I mean, would you agree with that? Yeah, this is yeah exactly the fact that it, I, I think this this shows a good example of the shift in landscapes too because. No one would ever hold, well, I want to say no one, but holding something back for 20 years, I don't think you're going to see stuff like this happen very often. Mm-hmm. I think that this is sort of the the way of the past where people don't come out and actually say this stuff. Like that, that 20 years that's gone by, you're not going to see that kind of stuff. Um, well, specifically, yeah. Barbara Bowman actually tried to get a lawyer against him. When, when, right when in the, in the 80s, right when it happened, but people didn't believe her. So she did yeah, try to do something. That's the difference, though. Yeah. Like, right there. That's like, that's the classic 
example is people didn't believe her. Whereas nowadays, like nobody would believe Bill. Like it, it it's just, I feel like it has shifted. And I do actually slightly worry that we could shift so far the other direction where people are afraid to do absolutely anything at all. And I don't, I hope that that never comes to that. Like when I say people are afraid to do anything, like people being afraid to like be around like celebrities being afraid to be around anyone because everyone's looking for a way to accuse them of something. I could see that becoming on the complete other end of the spectrum and like a worry of the future. Yeah. Well there, I mean there, there have been situations. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, Gian Gilmeshi. Uh, he was a radio show host of QBC, which is a, a very famous radio show in Canada. And, uh, he was into like the 50 shades of gray type shit where he would like with women that he had a relationship with, he would like punch them while they were having mm-hmm. sex, like take like physical action against them. Oh. And, um, so one of the arguments within that is, well, they were in a relationship, so it should be okay. And there's still, you can still be raped. You can still be raped by someone you're in a relationship with. So, that's that doesn't take away but there is also this this aspect of like you said there there could be certain situations where we go so far to the other extreme that you're not allowed to do anything that maybe you were actually under the impression of of consent because you guys were both in this i, I don't know it's it's such a difficult yeah territory it comes back to communication again yeah communication you know, once again the communication is I think humans, as time has gone on, we have gotten better communication. I, I do think that that's, and I, it, which is weird because you think with social media and all these things, have we really gotten better because we can hide behind our technology? But I do think in some ways we definitely have gotten better in communication because we're having these types of conversations that were sort of hush-hush, brush it under the rug, yeah. don't bring it to the light of day. Well, yeah. now when things are are not okay. We're more likely to to voice an opinion and or not a, not an opinion to voice our um, recall like recalling the event. Yeah, we're more likely to recall the event and and say it on a public platform. Absolutely. Um. So back to the civil suit. Um. The so the attorney told Barbara that she was the third person to, to come to her with this. Then those three after that went public. And that sparked 10 more women to come forward and say that it happened to them as well. So ultimately leading to 13 women who were actually willing to testify in this uh, this lawsuit in court. But the case never went to trial because it was settled in 2006. Now... One thing I want to mention really quick because it ends up being the most, probably the most crucial part of this whole story is that during the process of like getting this case to trial, there was a deposition that was taken in 2005, uh, but it was sealed. It was sealed because uh, the, the court, the case never went to court. Like the settlement happened before the case actually like went on trial. So these documents, this deposition that was taken was sealed up and you thought that was the end of it. Um, now, one thing I want to mention, I don't know if you're curious about this, but are, sometimes you wonder, look, why would why would she settle if she knows that this happened to her? You know, because you get a lot of people that ask that question, right? Yeah. So that was one thing that I was immediately like, dang it, like you, 
you could have, you know, shown that he did this or something through court. Uh, but number one, it's different because it's civil court. It's not criminal court. So you can't actually put him away for what he did. Um, so the settlement was, I mean, the lawsuit in itself was about money, essentially, uh, because she she couldn't put him in prison. And so there was an interview on CNN where she was asked why she settled. And this is what she said. Um, she said, I signed it because it was a very painstaking process for me and my family. It tore my family apart and we just wanted it to be over. And a hundred percent, like you're yeah. not going to get this guy punished. Do you want to keep going? I can kind of this? see where she's coming from. Yeah. I mean, it, it would be so difficult. And at the end of the day, that's unfortunately what people do. It's kind of, it's kind of another reason why people don't always speak up when things happen is because they don't want it to turn into like a big ordeal. They just want it done and over with. Cause it, when it becomes a big ordeal, it's like you're living within the pain yeah, almost even more. And it's magnified. And sometimes it's a little easier just to brush it under the rug. I don't think that's the right way of doing it, but there has to be a little bit of a, an empathy and understanding on why someone would do that. Well, and specifically that that's why I wanted to mention like this became a civil court matter, not a criminal court. So I think it was more worth it for her if she could have put him away in prison to like go through this whole process. Yeah. That's a, that's a big thing too. But because all it was going to do is she was going to sue him. It was like, I mean, he's already offering me money, so let's just get this over with and be done. And I think the amount was like $3.38 million that he settled with. And you hear a lot of these court cases and it's tough too, because just because they settled doesn't mean that they're actually guilty. But a lot of times that that's the inclination to believe that, Oh, they, they tried to get this taken care of before it even went to court because they didn't want the details getting out. Now, her settling actually ended up, if they would have gone forth with this case, it would have just been a civil case and not a criminal case. But luckily, she settled, so the documents were sealed, and it actually ended up working out, luckily, in her favor. Um, but anyways, the next huge part of this story where this all kind of resurfaced. So this went away for about 10 years. It was nothing, nothing happened of the suit. I mean, it was a settlement. That was it. We thought it was done. And then in 2014, Hannibal Burris, the comedian was performing some stand up in Philadelphia, um, kind of coincidentally, cause that's where, <laughs> uh, Bill Cosby is like from and, and, uh, whatnot. He made a comment about, um, how Cosby rapes people. And he implored the audience to Google Cosby rape. Well, one of the audience members was a like Philadelphia magazine blogger and they posted it online and the clip went viral. Now, this is another thing I want to take a, a, a pause and kind of get your thoughts on because so you hear this with Black Lives Matter and also with women like the the idea of mansplaining. So part of the issue shown here is it took a man making a comment about Bill Cosby for it to go viral and actually for the mainstream media to pick it up. Do you see that or this? Yeah, yeah. it's, it's pretty screwy, but this, this instance in general, I think is just nuts that it's stand up comedian does a routine. And like, I've, I've listened to Hannibal Bears before. He's pretty funny. And just to think that a joke opened up this entire investigation, 
I get why someone might say, oh, of course it took a man, but I'm a little bit more reluctant to say, well, it was just because of a man. I think this is just a very weird circumstance that evolved into something that is going to go down as a very, very important time in um, in U.S. history of just protecting people against celebrities. Yeah. Do you think, you know, as a man, do you think that because of that difficult, uh, I guess, tightrope to walk, do you think that we should stay quiet and let like women speak up for themselves? Or do you think that we should, you know, if we know something, we should take it into our hands to try to help them? Like, how would you navigate that, I guess, trajectory? Yeah. So you're saying right now there people are under the expectation, not the expectation, the idea that if a man speaks up on a situation, their voice is more likely to be heard. Yeah, and that there's an inherent issue with that because that's proving the point that women are kind of looked down on. Like if a woman woman comes forward and says something, it's less likely to be picked up than if a man came forward and says something. So that's the problem in itself. Yeah, and I think that that's something that, as frustrating as it is, I think it we are evolving, we are adapting as a society to get away from that because that's not how things should be. It should be equal between the two of them. And I th- I think it's getting a lot better. It's it is disappointing and kind of just sad that it does take the guy a lot of times to to speak up for people to listen in it, but what we could really do to to make the situation better. And that, that's just me being honest. Like I don't I don't know what we could do to give women more power other than just listening when they have, like, I know me, if a woman says something that I'm not going to look at it as different than a male. And maybe eventually over time that, that shift, there'll be more people who are under my way of thinking on the subject matter. Cause I think that that's, that's what will happen. And I think all, all we can do is if we hear something like in my life, I know if I hear a woman who, who says that there's, uh, a man who's doing something inappropriate, I know that I'm going to hear it out and I'm not going to be like, hush, hush. Like I'm going to make sure that the appropriate actions are taken and that I, I can point someone in the idea of where the right actions should be taken. But you, so you're saying that you would support them in, in taking the actions that they should take, but you wouldn't take it under your own hands to like help them get the word out there. If it if it needed to happen, I would. But I I I mean, I, women are fully capable. I have no. I don't. I don't see any. I've never felt any l- distinction between me being better because I'm a male versus a female. Like I don't. I don't find. And that's that's just me personally. I don't. I don't see anything. I do notice that there are instances where I probably do get, like, just not being oblivious. Like I probably do get advantages on my words on things because I'm a male, and that's just how things have been because we haven't fully evolved as a society, but all in all, I, yeah, I don't feel like I, I should have to even help at all, but of course I'm willing to help if need be. Yeah. I mean, well, and I think, I think that might be the the key right there is, you know, maybe number one, you're, you're, you're there in support of, you know, maybe if a woman comes to you and, and tells you what is happening, but then you allow them to take whatever steps 
they're going to take because it's their thing to to express and it should be heard based on them saying it. But if they ask you maybe for help in some sort of active way, then at that point, maybe that's when you make the distinction of, okay, I will come forward and, and say something. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a difficult, especially if it's someone you care about. Like if, like if something like this happened to one of my sisters or something, I would want, I would want with everything in me to make sure that this guy got punished. And, uh, but is that inherently wrong? You know, is that I need to let them do that? And it would be really tough for me to hold back, um, in a lot of ways. (laughs) For sure. So, um, so after this clip went viral, Barbara Bowman, who we talked about earlier, uh, who, who now at this point was, um, kind of silenced for 30 years because this was 10 years after the lawsuit, um, wrote an op-ed piece basically saying, how did this take 30 years to finally become a thing? And this in essence encouraged a series of dozens more allegations to come forward now reaching the total of up in the fifties. So this is back to something that we kind of talked about. So the attorney, the way that they responded to all of these allegations that came forward, the attorney basically said, there's no way this is true because these are decade old allegations and there's no way people would have kept this a secret for so long if it was actually true. I don't know about that. Yeah, exactly. They definitely would. Well, and (laughs) It's an irrelevant argument because number one, Barbara Bowman tried to try to take action and come forward with it right away, but no one would like see her through. No one would go to court with her. No one would believe her because of the situation. And, you know, like you said, now hopefully things are changing to where if women try to take action, the action happens right away. But back then they were kept quiet. And so it's it's just such a stupid argument to make. But again, these are his attorneys. You know, they're paid to say that. Um, it's just tough because there were a lot of people in that circumstance that heard that and believed it. Like, yeah, what? Oh, these these women are just coming forward to, to get their moment of fame and get them their, their gold diggers. Um. And, you know, we can't say that that isn't ever the case or isn't happening sometime. Because, again, you know, like we talked about in our Second Chances episode, there you have to have a desire to actually find all of the information. So there is a chance that maybe this happened with a few women. But we're talking about over 50 women who all came forward. In multiple- yeah, I, didn't, I did not know it was that, like, that was one of the biggest shocks to me was when I was looking into this story further was that the total was that high. Yeah, it's freaking crazy. And you're you're going to say that all 50 of those 50 some 50 some odd women are all gold diggers trying to get something out of the the pot? It, the chances are probably not. <laughs> you know. Um so it's just it's just such a messed up thing. But all right, we'll get <laughs> I'll get back into the actual story here. Um so after all of these women came forward, um basically the accusations were re-emerging and also finally emerging for the case of a lot of these women, the Associated Press, so this was in July 2015, the Associated Press asked the court, 
the federal court to unseal the documents from that lawsuit, to unseal the deposition from that lawsuit in 2006 that never went to court. And the court agreed. And in the deposition, Cosby admitting admitted to giving quaaludes to women, specifically women, whom he wanted to have sex with. And here's the transcription uh, specifically. Uh, question. When you got the quaaludes, was it in your mind that you were going to use these quaaludes for young women that you wanted to have sex with? Answer. Yes. So yeah, I I read that and I was like, Brandon, are you sure you didn't make a mistake on this? Like yeah. this, this doesn't seem right. No, that was the deposition. And when this was finally unsealed and made public, um, Cosby objected to it, saying that he misunderstood the question. And he was actually re- referring to just one woman in particular um, in Las Vegas. And he said that she actually consented to taking the quaaludes, that that was part of what they were doing uh, you know, for sex, but his, his attempt to mask this was, wasn't as powerful it has, as it had been in the past because this set the wheels in motion. And in December, 2015, which is actually only weeks before the statute of limitations was set to expire on that original criminal report that was made by Andrea Constan, it was brought back to, to court. And uh, so Cosby was arraigned on three felony accounts of aggravated indecent assault. Um, and the, the three the three accounts, the three counts were as follows. Now, again, if you don't want to hear this, tune out. But here are the three account, the three counts. Number one was digital pre- penetration, which is, I believe, with your hand, like penetrating um, a woman's vagina with your hand. Number two or fingers, you know, whatever. Number two, doing it while she was unconscious. And number three, administering toxicants to prevent resistance. Um, obviously, once he was brought to court for this again, those 13 women who tried to help for the civil suit came back and said, once more, hey, we're willing to testify. But Cosby's attorneys actually petitioned to keep the 13 accusers out of the trial. And out of those 13 accusers, the judge allowed one. And it was a woman named Kelly Johnson who was allegedly assaulted in 1996. Now, obviously, we know the results of this court case. Cosby was found guilty on all three counts of uh, aggravated indecent assault and is now sentenced to to prison. Um, now, obviously, this whole like landscape with the Me Too movement, the time is up stuff is changing, but I guess a couple notable things that I wanted to mention. Um, Lily Bernard, which was another one of the accusers, she, during the time of this trial, because she was actually outside of the statute of limitations. She she worked with other accusers to uh, remove that law in the state of California, I believe it was, um, of that statute of limitations for sexual assaults. Because like we talked about, it's, it's tough to have a statute of limitations on a case where a woman is afraid to come forward with exactly. something traumatic. Yeah. Sorry, I had to take a drink. <laughs> um, 
uh, so one thing I encourage everybody to go watch, and uh, this is where I, you know, I got a lot of the information from, was the documentary of the the Cosby accusers. You watched that too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of the accusers, Heidi Thomas, um, she made an interesting statement that I, I think that we should dissect a little bit here. She she stated that number one, she forgives him um, because he's sick in her mind. From her perspective, he's a sick man. Um, who definitely deserves to be punished. She doesn't deny that. She thinks that he should be punished, punished, but he needs help. Um, and she respects the fact that he's brilliantly and hysterically funny, but he uses that same intelligence as a predator. So I guess the question here is, is this a situation, like is Cosby unforgivable or is he a person that with the right help could be forgiven for these actions? This is a really, really, because I'll, I'll be honest, my my gut on this one is that I don't think this is very forgivable because of just the extent of how far this went and how long it went on for. Um, I do think that it, it is it's totally fair to say mm-hmm. that he is brilliant and hysterically funny. Like I think that if that's an opinion that someone has, like I don't think that you can take away his creativity. Mm-hmm. And some of the the things that he has done, because it's not like his his entire body of work is not terrible, but some of his actions are, and unfortunately, his actions were very terrible in my opinion. The one that makes me the most sickened by this is the use of drugs to make this happen. It's like it would be one thing, and I don't. It's it's weird for me to argue you know, what makes a rape worse or, or, or yeah. you know, it's because it's already just so bad, but right. to intentionally go out of your way to weaken someone, to not even give them a fair shot and to defend this entire thing is just sickening. I mean, that's, that's about, in my book, that's about as low as you can get. I just, yeah. I don't, I have, I have a very tough time with this one being too forgiving because yeah, is he sick? A hundred percent. I mean, this is this is sick, and we've all done things in our lives that we're not happy and proud of. But at the same time, this is someone who clearly never learned a lesson, and because he didn't get caught, he just went on for tens of years, <laughs> and that's pretty bad. I do wonder, and and maybe the script could have been different on his life, and maybe I would be. I'd look at it a lot differently. I wonder if someone would have would have come out in the eighties, right? Like, but the trial actually went on. Yeah, and he, he actually went to let's say he went to prison in the eighties, and then he came out as a fifty-year-old man. If that would have been the case, could I? And, and the number wasn't as high as in the fifties, right? Maybe it was only a handful. It'd still be terrible and atrocious. I might be somewhat forgiving if he was actually able to move on with his life and not go back to doing it again. But I, in this situation, I think there's been enough time to go on. Uh, He's at the end of his life here, and it's unfortunate that he had to go out by getting caught at the end. But at the same time, like, no, this is not an acceptable action, and I don't feel that there's any remorse. Yeah. Well... 
to, to kind of go into something specifically you said, you know, his body of work, you know, he did, he was the first African-American actor on a sitcom, on a major mm-hmm. sitcom on TV that was huge, you know, and you see this a lot of times with, you know, like Joe Paterno, who had uh, the assistant coach who uh, was a pedophile and he knew about it but didn't do anything about it. And so you have these guys with th- these people who are in the, the public eye who are um, revered and respected and then you find out behind the scenes the shit was going on. What does it do to their legacy? What does it do to all of the good things that they did? That's a that's a tough question. Like, is is his legacy now only, the, you know, the fact that he raped all these women, um, or do do his, I guess, um, do the. Do the things that he pioneered in some of the industries as a, a black male, do they still hold true? Do they, Are they still strong actions? Are they still anything that we can look at with a positive lens? And that's, that's where I'm very strong on this point is despite people doing terrible actions, there is still the body of work. And there... I will admit people like Adolf Hitler, it's, it can be pretty difficult to point out, well, you know, he did, he did some good things for a time. There are points where you do draw lines on the subject matter, but I think it's, I think it's very important for people to make a distinction that, okay, despite the negative things that this, that this person did, you can't deny the fact the opportunities that he gave African-Americans in the United States by being able to push into a boundary that other people were not able to go into. And no one is perfect in this world. We've all done our, we've all done the wrong things in our lives. And I don't think that Bill Cosby should just be remembered as a terrible human. And that is something that I'm very strong on is he should be remembered as someone who pioneered a bunch of great things but should also be sort of that symbol of when you are put in a position where you are, you have power and you can, and you, you know, we're, we're with, with great power comes great responsibility. Like, yeah, I get, I get that. This is a perfect example of the, this is the danger when someone is put into a position that they could do something like this. So, how I think, and I don't—I know this isn't like a specific question that we talked about, but I think it's—it is a question that I'm curious to get your perspective on. Is how do you think Bill Cosby should be remembered? Because I think he should be remembered as a great comedian, a great pioneer for the African American community, and also a serial very, rapist. very yeah, basically like a very messed up person who, like, was at the end of the day, not not a good human. Yeah. It's from my perspective it it's such a loaded question because like we said he on one hand he created a bunch of opportunities for African Americans um but he also used the potential of creating opportunities to get women to do what he wanted. Um, that Lily Bernard woman that I talked about, 
uh, one of the accusers, she, so she was, she was assaulted by him on three separate occasions. And you're like, well, why would she keep going back? And number, the first time she said that she just put it out of her mind, pretending there's no way this could have happened. Uh, The second time it happened, it's like, holy shit, this did happen the first time. And then it was like, now this has happened twice. I better get something out of it. I just went through this horrific traumatic experience twice. I better get what I was promised is basically where she was coming from. He promised her a possible uh, guest appearance on the Cosby show. And so she she thought I was going to get this opportunity. She was an aspiring actress. And it was like she got to this point where like I already went through this horrible thing. I, I better get my opportunity and then he told her that he had an opportunity for her and she went over again to his house and he made her um do shit to him and it's so i just hmm. so to to your question of how do we remember him Mm -hmm. i i wonder if there is any way to separate the the actions that he took to pioneer things from who he actually was behind the scenes. Um, or if those have to be mutually exclusive. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't have an answer. It's, <laughs> it's so really hard. Tough. Yeah. I mean, I'm also looking at this from a lens of like, you know, what if this was one of my sisters, you know? Mm-hmm. There's no way, no question in my mind. I'd be like, I don't fucking give a shit what this guy did that was good. Like, he hurt one of my sisters. So there's that personal, is it right for me just because one of my sisters wasn't impacted that I say, no, it's okay, we can see him in other ways. I I don't think he can do that. I don't think he can have it both ways. Um, Basically, I guess what I would say is that's for everybody to decide for themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to decide if in any way you're going to be empathetic to the fact that he did a lot of great things, but he just was also a little messed up in the head or had an addiction that he couldn't quell. Um, or if you're a person that says, no, this guy should rot in hell, that's that's for your for your pr- perspective to decide. But again, a big thing that we talked about with the Second Chances episode is um do your research you know get the information before you just make a judgment that's that's for sure like i already let's say i felt slightly more forgiving until i really listened and and dove a little deeper into this story yeah and um yeah i think it's i think it's fair to say that i wouldn't really give him a second chance i think i think this this falls under the category of this is not okay like this is just not fine to me Right. But, you know, if someone else said that it's fine to them, I'm not going to, I've got no room to, to judge them on it. I think this is, think whatever you want. But at least know the information, though. Yeah. That's one thing that I feel like is we do way too often. We just, like, read a headline in the news. I know Facebook has kind of gone away from having the the news as being such a part of it. But people would just read one headline and be like, oh, did you know that Bill Cosby raped someone 
And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not the story. Actually, read the story. There's so many layers. It's right. 50, over 50 women, and yeah. there's so much to it. And I feel like, I mean, this is something that I've talked about a bunch of times that people just don't, they don't educate themselves and they have strong opinions on things they don't educate themselves on, which is something that I make a, a strong effort to not do because right. you just sound stupid. So, yeah, I don't know. Just that's where I'm at with this. Yeah, no, absolutely. And for those of you who are like, okay, well, you know, where did you guys get your sources? Um, the sources that I did for the research and, and, and Stephen did as well, you know, is CNN, uh, NPR, ABC News. Uh, there was one part on People Magazine that I actually reviewed Andrea Constan's background for a little bit. Um, so those are a couple different sources that I used to, to gather this story and, and find out what happened. Specifically, I encourage everybody to watch the documentary done by CNN on um, the Cosby accusers. It was done, I think, in May of, of 2018, um, but it, I didn't go into detail on every single one of the accusers that had something to say because I, I wanted to focus more on the, the parts of the story that got these case, this case to light and got it moving. Um, you know, I didn't talk about Lily Bernard as much as that documentary does. And I, I think her story is, um, something that you should pay attention to. It's very heartbreaking and it was, it was tough to watch. Um, but again, this, you know, the disclaimer that we gave in the beginning of the episode, we can't be afraid to talk about these things because without that dialogue, where, where are we going to grow from here? You know, how are we going to learn we should encourage people to speak up so that we can say, hey, this is a situation that happened. What were the the routes that maybe we could have taken to maybe avoid this altogether? What are the routes to take to, to if this does happen, handle it the, I guess, quote unquote, right way, right away? Um, so, yeah, that's just that's why discussion is just so, so valuable. Yeah. And I, and I wanted to just address something about this episode in general, because it is, it is different than, I mean, it, each one of our episodes is different in itself, but you'll notice that the, you'll notice that this one is about a specific news event and, or news story. And this is something that we plan on doing going forward is in addition to our normal Tuesday episode, where we pick a topic, uh, we're adding a, now a Thursday episode of something related to a current event that's going on. And so expect to hear more of these in the future. If you guys have any good ideas, feel free to write into us at um, emgpod at gmail.com. We'd like to uh, incorporate any ideas that that you guys have, especially when there's so many layers and so much depth to it. Uh, Just kind of get that that dialogue and discussion going, especially when nowadays, I mean, I used to work in the media, so I know that things could become pretty slanted or, not all the information is out there, but this gives us the opportunity to look into multiple outlets and it doesn't always have, I want to, I also want to keep in mind, like it doesn't have to be so serious as a topic like this. No, I mean, it, it could be, it could really be anything that we deem there to be some value on. It could be right. funny for all we care, but um, yeah, I just wanted to, to state that any, uh, anything else you wanted to add, Brandon? No. Uh, I mean, I'm glad that you mentioned that this is something that we're going to try to make a part of, of our kind of regular programming in the sense of, uh, you know, it's, I think it's important to just kind of stay current with, um, what's happening in the world and, and be educated on 
you know the the trajectory of of people and what's what directions we're going in so that's kind of where this kind of originated and where we're hoping to take it so yeah definitely any uh, any final thoughts um no not none other than the the tease for the the next episode that'll come out um so next episode will be back to kind of like the normal programming uh standing up for yourself versus letting go which actually was an idea um from the interview that i had with uh, the coffee with shell um she requested us to do this episode so that's going to be the next one cool um once again you can find us on instagram uh, at emg pod um you can also leave us a voicemail at 513-427-EMG5 if you got something to uh to add or you want to be as a, a special guest on an episode um or like a kind of like asthmatic if you want to be another spotlight episode that would uh we're always looking for for guests we enjoy doing those a lot and uh we thank you for listening to this episode and we will talk to you soon take it easy